Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Tomorrow, Major League Baseball is going to take a, another step toward the start of their season. Possibility of a weekend of the 4th of July start to the year with an 82-game schedule. There are still a number of hurdles that have to be um, figured out before they can uh, move forward, and we'll get into that coming up in uh, in a little while. But I guess let's start with a uh, a sporting event that actually happened over the weekend. You had uh, UFC 249 in Duval County, that is uh, Jacksonville, and it included Borky coronavirus news, although it appears as if UFC handled it pretty well, and uh, for the most part, the event went off with uh, without a hitch. Yeah, it was uh, incredibly popular, actually, over the weekend. I watched uh, the undercards that were free. I I certainly wasn't going to pay to watch Greg Hardy fight people. But um, they had a fighter uh, leading up to the event test positive for coronavirus. And they canceled his fight. And even though there was a ton of criticism, went forward with the event, and it ended up being a wild success. I mean, the fights that I watched, Rippy watched the entire thing, You got over the whole no fans in the stands after like 30 seconds. I mean, it was odd at first. It was kind of cool that you could actually hear the hits more clearly than you do otherwise. And you could hear uh, the coaches and the ring people yelling strategy and stuff at the fighters. But the not having fans thing was not odd at all. I forgot about it. Like 30 seconds into the first fight that I was able to watch. And it went extremely well they gave out 1200 tests uh for 300 people that they used to work the event one positive that was it they canceled his fight went on with the event and it went perfectly yeah and i thought the uh the quote from dana white who is the president of ufc made a lot of sense he said we administered 1200 tests this week on 300 people it's not unexpected one person would test positive the system works and what's good about this is now we know jakar susa tested positive he's doing what he needs to do and we are in a position to help him if he needs it by the way jakar susa was asymptomatic so it's not like he was showing symptoms and went and got a test as a result It was just part of the mass testing that was going on for the people that were going to be involved with UFC 249. He was asymptomatic. He and two of his corner men test positive. They pulled them out. They canceled the fight that he's supposed to be involved with. I guess he has to go into quarantine or or whatever treatment they have uh, in place, and they are able to move on. Guys, how important is this in terms of a model for other sports leagues that are trying to get back? It depends on, I don't know if sensitivity is the right word, but um, how willing are they to push forward in spite of somebody testing positive? Because it's going to be met with criticism. I, I saw somebody today opine over the fact that, hey, Major League Baseball might come back on the 4th of July. What happens if a player tests positive in August? And I think 
the, the answer is an easy one. It's an insensitive one, but it's an easy one. You test everybody around him because they are going to be readily available That by then. They are in most every state already. Um, you test everyone around him, and you isolate that player, and you move forward, just like if he would have turned an ankle on the base path. Uh, same thing that UFC just did. It's a little different because only two guys fight, and you can end one fight, and you've got a dozen more uh, on a night, and it doesn't affect anything. But if you have one player test positive in August, you test everybody around him, and if you get a bunch of negatives, you isolate that player, you treat it like an injury, and you move forward with your season. It, you just have to be willing to absorb the criticism that's going to come with that. And I think the NFL is prepared for that. Maybe baseball is, but the NBA, uh, I think if they get a positive test, they shut down again. They're a little bit uh, more sensitive to the criticism. I think Roger Goodell, Dana White obviously is not, and so they will handle it differently in my opinion. Well, and a little interesting on the NBA front because, you know, there was a lot of talk. I mean, when, when the president had all of the uh, the major sports commissioners on that big conference call, you remember the quote coming out from um, um, the commissioner of the, uh, of the NBA saying, hey, we were the first uh, league to shut things down. We would like to be the first to bring it back. But it feels like the NBA is taking a uh, much more cautious and much more measured approach to uh, to getting back. I wonder if part of that, though, is because the NBA internally, but not publicly, has very much made peace with next season not beginning until around Christmas. And as a result, they think they've got plenty of time that they can resume and play the final... Uh, you know, dozen games or so, ten games that were left on the regular season schedule, and you get a quote from Adam Silver that says, you know, our, our plan is to play all four rounds of the playoff with best of seven series. And if they're not going to start playing again until December, maybe even the end of December, it's okay if basketball doesn't return until July or August, and then they pull, go through two months of playoffs and then have a couple of months before they ramp things up again. I, I think the NBA may be okay with that. Am I am I crazy for thinking that? Could not agree with that more. And you don't need to have the lengthy offseason, even though theirs is, is relatively short because the playoffs go into the summer and then they start again in late October. But you don't need a, an expansive offseason because you've got a, already a 60-day break in the middle of your season as it is. So it's not like yeah. these guys need four months off to start again. Could not agree more. I think they are anticipating, planning on whatever it may be, uh, starting on Christmas Day next season uh, at the earliest, and they're probably going to keep that permanent. I've been on that train for a while, but the more I read about it, and uh, they had a conference call on Friday, uh, the commissioner with all the players, and that was brought up. They're, they're very casually just like, yeah, we'll start in December, no big deal. That tells me that they're preparing for that. Rippy, any takeaways from UFC 249 on, on Saturday night, if you watched it all? Not that already hadn't been covered. Thought it was really interesting. Thought it was a success. It was cool. Didn't really notice the no fans thing, but I watched the one in Brazil the weekend, the whole like world shut down that didn't have fans either, so it was kind of the same. I thought it was cool. Hardy, uh, Hart, Greg Hardy beat someone within the confines of the rules, so class act. Is he becoming more of a legitimate fighter? I don't know. He's six and two on like the main whatever circuit. It, 
Is he now regularly being included? I mean, I know he was obviously on the card for 249. Is he turning into kind of a, a mainstay or a fixture on these big pay-per-view events? I have no idea. I don't remember the last time he fought. I know it was like football season-ish because I remember watching it, but I guess he could have fought between now and then, but uh, I'm not positive. Not a big UFC guy. It certainly doesn't feel like a novelty anymore. It feels like they just they promote him as a fighter and, and he fights in legitimate fights like the one over the weekend. At first it was former NFL star Greg Hardy. Now it's just UFC fighter Greg Hardy. They've changed the way they promote him. What a strange, weird, weird journey his life has been since he finished playing high school football at a private school in Memphis and came to Ole Miss and was at times dominant on the football field and at times um, almost a no-show. Had a little stretch where he kind of contributed in basketball. I mean, incredibly athletic guy. Uh, obviously has had significant off-the-field issues uh, within his personal life and within decision-making, and now here he is. and Rough-looking rough dude when you see the picture of him in the ring. Hey, Dad, are you... I mean, I know you loved boxing or, or, or you know, what boxing used to be. I, I don't know if you're into it now. UFC do anything for you? I'll watch it. It's not it's something I go out of my way to watch. Uh, but, you know, I, I enjoy it when it's on. Yeah. It's so, funny hearing uh, you, you guys talk about the uh, the no, no no crowd thing, and I've been watching pro wrestling all this time, and they've been having no crowd, so I'm just completely used to it at this point. So wrestling has kept rolling, huh? Yeah, yeah. They've just been taping shows. Now, it was interesting. Last week's show, they uh, they actually had – it. They, there weren't fans in the stands, but there were people beyond the wrestlers there just wearing masks and sort of – hanging out it was weird it was sort of weird to watch hmm. we're gonna get to uh winners and losers coming up to start the four o'clock hour i don't think we did that last week took a week off so uh, we'll come back and uh, take a look at winners and losers something tells me the lottie giants of the korean baseball organization uh, might be on the left hand side of that ledger uh, you know we love to get your winners and losers as well so from the weekend 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395. That's the C Spire text line. What did you see this weekend that you liked, that you think deserves to be in the winner's category? Uh, what about what you didn't like? What goes in the loser's category? You guys realize we would be rolling into the final weekend of SEC baseball this coming weekend? Uh, I had that little calendar pop-up. Rippy, you would have been making a road trip tomorrow night to Jonesboro. For, for Ole, Ole Miss and Arkansas State in Jonesboro tomorrow night. I guess that would have been the final non-conference game. And uh, then you would have jumped into the last weekend of the regular season and then the SEC tournament. Mm. What might have been? We would be nine weeks and 27 games through the uh, the SEC schedule at this point. Take a quick timeout, uh, time wrap up the 3 o'clock hour, and get ready for winners and losers to start the 4 o'clock hour in just a couple of minutes. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm. Thanks for being along for the ride on this Monday afternoon. We start a new week 
I, I did it again. I I don't know. It's like it hurts every time I look, but I can't help but look. You know, pull up the baseball schedules. So I mentioned Ole Miss would have played Arkansas State on Tuesday night, and then it would have been a uh, a three game series with Alabama in Tuscaloosa to close out the regular season, and all. Seven series in the SEC would have been Thursday, Friday, Saturday series this weekend. Mississippi State would have had North Alabama on Tuesday night in Starkville. So tomorrow night they would play their last non-conference game and then would jump on a bus Wednesday morning and head north to Nashville for what could uh, would have been uh, likely the marquee series in the entire country. Mississippi State at Vanderbilt for a three-game set that would have begun at uh, at 6.30 on Thursday night. And then uh, we would have gotten through the weekend, gotten the results on Saturday, uh, would have had Sunday to digest everything. Monday would have uh, have done the show here in Mississippi. And then we all would have jumped in the, ro- on the, uh, uh, in the car on either uh, Monday night or Tuesday morning and headed to Hoover for the SEC baseball tournament that would have started next Tuesday, one week from tomorrow. Man, that, that just stings. I think it's my favorite thing that we do. And Borky, this is the first time in how many years? Eight, nine years that we've not been at the SEC baseball tournament. Is that right? Um, I haven't been yet. So I, I meant the show. <laughs> yeah, Bro- Borky. That, Nobody cares that about this you. show would have broadcast live from the SEC baseball tournament. You know what I meant. What we should do next week is like find some just baseball sounds and just play them in the background during the entire show to bring you back. <laughs> I don't know if that would be good or if that would be awful. It, that might, it, might it, be hard. It was bad when they had the speaker just right outside of your window. That was bad. But just hearing the baseball sounds and the applause, that was really good stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's... Uh... Only thing that'll keep us away is when they cancel it uh, altogether. So that's uh, that's where we would be uh, would be right now. Ole Miss would have played uh, who this past weekend? They would have played Auburn at home on graduation weekend, and Mississippi State would have been at home against Missouri. So it would have been a three game series: Friday, Saturday, Sunday in Starkville against Missouri. Uh, and Ole Miss would have uh, been at home as well. Would this have been graduation weekend this past weekend in Starkville? Hey, Dad. No, no, that was a couple weeks ago. Okay, gotcha. Oh, it's the first week in May. That's right. I forget how yeah. early. It, uh, it's a week ahead, but I guess Mississippi State generally goes back to school a week or two earlier than Ole Miss does uh, to uh, start the spring semester. Yeah. So um, you guys just kind of glossed over the whole Mother's Day thing. What, what did you do to celebrate this weekend? Uh, well, for me, I, I, I sent my mom a, a big bouquet of flowers. And uh, can talk to her on on Sunday, and then for the nice. wife, I, I I bought her some uh, some chocolate covered strawberries, and I uh, cooked a, a big fancy meal last night. A couple of big what thick was ribeye steaks, a couple of thick ribeye steaks, some twice baked potatoes, and uh, some of those Brussels sprouts I know you like with the bacon. Hmm. Sounds really good. It was really good. So did your daughters just get left out of eating? They got like leftover cold pizza or something? We, we went and picked them up some dinner. <laughs> there you go. No big, fat, thick ribeyes for them. No, nah, no. Nah. 
First time I'd use a steak mop. That was that was interesting. I thought it came out really good though. A what? So what I did was like one of the ribeyes had like a big chunk of fat right along the side where the you know where the butcher had, had cleaned it up. Sure. So so I took that off and chopped it up and let it render out in a pan, or in a pot. I mean, and then I dumped a stick of butter, a sprig of rosemary, and some garlic cloves in there, and I, I mopped my steaks with that while I was cooking them. Huh. Good flavor. Yeah, I thought so. I thought they, they were they were really really good. To be doing that going yeah. forward. What about you, Borky? What'd you guys do to celebrate Mother's Day? Made uh, in the morning a skillet French toast. So I, I just lined the bottom of the skillet with mixed berries, blueberries, raspberries, strawberries, and then it did like a French toast mix with um, eggs, obviously, and, and cinnamon and, and cumin and uh, maple syrup and all kinds of stuff, and laid the the bread after you dip it in that mixture on top of the berries and stuck it in the oven for 20 minutes. Took it out and coated it with powdered powdered sugar and some maple syrup. Then we went kayaking and then ate an entire pizza. It was a day. There you go. Uh, Darren and Jackson says that, um, you know, we used to ask our dad what he was getting mom for Mother's Day, and he always replied, nothing. She ain't my mother. I <laughs> <laughs> wonder how that went over on an annual basis. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Send us your winners and losers. We'll get to those coming up to begin the 4 o'clock hour. 601-879-4395 is the number for the C Spire text line. Take a time out. We will be right back. Rolling on with you on this Monday afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. Thanks for being with us. A reminder that starting tomorrow, we will cut away from the Q&A portion of the Governor's Daily Press Conference. You'll be able to catch that uh, in its entirety on Supertalk Mississippi's Facebook page and at uh, supertalktv.com. If you would like to uh, catch the entirety of the press conference, we'll still have... Uh, the majority of the uh, uh, the press conference, though, where the government uh, the governor makes his statements and gives the updates, and you get the updates from MEMA and the uh, State Department of Health as well. You can watch what happens during Sports Talk Mississippi live or on demand on your computer or on your phone or tablet by just going to supertalk.fm slash watch. You can also watch on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. Just search Supertalk or go to supertalk.fm slash connect to get connected on your smart device. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey with you on this Monday. It is time right now for Winners and Losers. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. All right, so this is what we do on Monday afternoons. If you happen to be new to the party, we would love to get your submissions for winners and losers from the weekend. C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395. At C Spire, they're not just saying they care, they're taking action to show it through COVID-19 and every day from free wireless data for educational websites to connecting businesses with the tools to work from home. Learn more at cspire.com slash cspirecares. 
Uh, hey, Dad, want to go first? You got a winner? You know, I had one for last week, and we didn't do winners and losers, so I'm going to go back to him. And that's uh, okay. Half Thor Bjornsson. Uh, Borky and I know him a little better as the Mountain from the Game of Thrones. La- two Saturdays ago, he set a new world record for the deadlift. He lifted 1,104 pounds. 1,104. And I watched this, and he looked like he was picking up a baby. It was nothing to him. So uh, the world's strongest man, now the world record holder for the deadlift. So if it looked like it was nothing to him, why do you think he wouldn't have done more? See, that's a good question. Obviously, it wasn't nothing to him, but it just looked so easy for him. It was crazy. So 1,104, what what do you think he could have gotten to? Uh, He says his next step is uh, 1,120, and they just go up a little bit at a time. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't. I mean, I said it, it looked easy. I don't know that it was easy. I mean, if it was easy, I guess he would have done more. But yeah, that's a I big old so. dude. Um, yeah. Do, do is there anybody like uh, knocking on his door, trying to you know chase him down and and surpass this record, or is he just kind of like on an island of one with regard to the ability to deadlift eleven hundred four pounds? I don't know the answer to that question. I'm, I'm not you know that into the sport of powerlifting, but I saw it, uh, a link for it on Twitch. Uh, on la- two Saturdays ago, and I was like, "Sure, I'll watch." I think the I fact that I knew mi- him from TV made him more more interesting to me. Yeah, I kind of miss the World Strongman competitions that used to come on yeah. at ESPN. Magnus for Magnuson. Ma- Magnus for Magnuson was a bad man. <laughs> yeah, this is the, this guy is the new Magnus for Magnuson. He's from Iceland too. They, I don't know what they put in the coffee up there in Iceland, man, but they uh got some big old boys. I don't think it's what they put into the coffee. I think it's more about what they inject through syringes. And sorry. Oh. Or do we think this is all natural? Well, I mean, the fact that it's just all these same people from this—I mean, one island. You think if it was a steroid thing, Americans would be all over it, but they're not. So. Yeah. Well, in the mountain, what is he? Six eight? I mean, just he's, he's a yeah, six nine and four hundred and twenty pounds. No. Holy yeah. cow! Go ahead, so he, go ahead, he's Rick. got the frame to put that that kind of weight on. Yeah. But solid as a rock, right? It's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah, he is a monster. What was your favorite competition on the uh, on the old World's Strongest Man competition shows? The stone throws. Hey, Dad, hey, the what? When they would throw the big stones. Huh. Pulling the car. The car was cool, yeah. I, Rippy, I was going to ask if you and Borky had ever seen those. I mean, obviously oh, yeah. you didn't see them in real time, but I didn't know if well, they... We were like when ESPN Classic was still prevalent when I was like a kid, like all, that was always on there. That and uh, what was it? Stump the Schwab. Stump, Stump the, the Schwab, Schwab yeah. was great. Yeah, I love the power the um like the outdoor power sports competitions as well. You know, Steel isn't was that a guy big sponsor like, on that? Isn't that guy like Dick Vitale's personal assistant or something? Uh, he was laid off by ESPN a few years ago. I, I don't know. Maybe Dick Vitale hired him to be his personal assistant or researcher or something after he was laid off from ESPN. But uh, he, when they had the uh, the layoffs a few years back, Schwab, who had been there for uh, forever, Howie Schwab, um, he was let go. And there were a lot of people that were uh, really upset about that. That was a pretty good game show, too. It was. Yeah. Uh, Borky, do you have a winner from the weekend? Yeah, a couple. We'll start with uh, with Dana White. It's a little easy to do it when you don't have a team sport, but still, he 
He took some criticism. The Fight Island, he was called crazy and irresponsible and all these these things. And he decided to brush all that off and push forward and put on a really good event. Even had a fighter test positive for coronavirus, canceled their fight, pushed forward with the event. And by all accounts, it was a massive success. Uh, Ratings haven't come out yet, but they anticipate a really big number. And he's just moving forward. So credit to him for, for not worrying about or what the people online say about UFC, because he put on an event, it was efficient, they did provisions, they tested, and it all worked out just fine. You know, it's almost like there's a really strong leader who's confident in his own decisions and the protocols that they've got in place, and he doesn't really care what people think about him. Well, he was never going to stop in the first place. He was forced to stop. Like, they were going to have, he was going to move the event that was supposed to be, I think it was somewhere in Ohio, and then they had another one to, like, UFC's building in Vegas, and the government was basically like, hey, hey, man, like, chill out, let's not do that. So, like, if it were up to him, he would have had, like, all none of the cards affected. And wasn't it also in conjunction with ESPN? Like, they were doing part of the carriage, well, I mean, I guess that's part of the ESPN Plus deal. So that's where you get the UFC fights, and then they do the pay-per-view through that platform as well. And, and maybe ESPN was like, yeah, we, we really can't do this right now. Yeah, maybe. Feels like Goodell Rippy. is also doing the same. I mean, both of them. I mean, they are pushing forward. The NFL hasn't had an in-person event really yet, but they've both received criticism for not stopping operations, and yet they've all been successful. So uh, really good on both of them. Rippy, you got a winner? Uh, mine was the UFC, so I guess I'll go to the Jordan doc. I thought those two episodes were by far the best two of the documentary so far, not even close. Um, so I guess that would be my winner. So what stood out for you last night? Just, I mean, from the baseball thing to the like gambling side to him coming back, I just found it interesting. I didn't know a lot of that stuff. Uh, they had a lot of great footage and stuff, too, like them opening it and Craig Sager basically just ruining a press conference before it got started with that Which question. Which was fantastic. Yeah, that was great, and the guy was like, "Way to go, Craig!" And uh, but uh, that was I, that was actually pretty awesome. It was yeah, good. it was great. Um, but uh, Hoover Met got some nice pub in there. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that. You know, remember when we started talking about this before it started? I said, "I hope they go back and talk about the gambling stuff," and we weren't sure how it was going to work. And the way they've worked in all these, you know, flashbacks and going back in time, they really they delved into it, and I thought that was that was very interesting stuff. Yeah, they addressed you, it held on and pretty much just squashed the theory. Like, there's no way you can yeah. watch that and still think that holds any water. Right. What, that he was actually suspended secretly for 18 months by the NBA? Yes. Didn't happen. No. And and I thought the the um, the author, and I can't remember which book, was it Rare Air, maybe the name of the, the book that the guy, where um, he said... Hold on a second. You're asking me if David Stern, maybe the biggest capitalist in the history of sports, chose to suspend the most popular player on the planet and cause every team to go down in value significantly by suspending the sport's biggest star for a year and a half? Um, no. And I mean, David Stern is like, I don't know how many different ways I can answer this question. No, there's no truth to that. There's no validity. Anyway, um, I love the baseball footage as well. 
And yeah. to hear... It really is unheard of for somebody... I mean, like, unheard of is not even the right way to describe it. But to take someone who has not played organized baseball in 14 years and drop them straight into a double-A camp after going to big league spring training and have them hit over 200? I mean, Tito Francona talked about it. He's like, he drove in 50 runs that year. He said, we had some pretty good prospects in the organization that didn't get anywhere close to 50 RBIs that season. And uh, conventional wisdom was if he had stuck with baseball, he would have gotten to the big leagues. Strike messed that up, too. Sports Talk Mississippi. Be right back. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. This doesn't officially go into winners and losers, but uh, when we were talking about what might have been with the SEC baseball tournament, there were a number of people who pointed out the fact of, well, at least we don't have to hear the whistler this year. wonder what he's up to. I hope he's not happy with whatever he's doing. Yeah. And he's just sitting in his living room going, Please please don't do that again. Please please stop. He's probably bored with this whole six feet thing. He can't threaten any lawsuits. Yeah. And there's no crowds to pester. It's probably a tough time for the whistler. Can you whistle through a mask? I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. It's just muffled. I guess, yeah. Lucas in Union. Winners. UFC, great card that delivered. And Otis of heavy machinery for winning the WWE Men's Money in the Bank title last night. Yeah, good for him. You don't like Otis from Heavy Machinery? I don't like WWE right now, so... At all? Not I thought really you were a wrestling guy. I am, but I'm watching AEW. Oh, that's right. Did they have an event last night that was really cool they, where people had to apparently scale a 20-story building and climb on top of a cage and beat each other up? No, but they, they had a, uh, a match on Wednesday where somebody got run down with a golf cart. That was pretty cool. Which mm. one uses the chairs and the ladder? They both do. Okay. So, I got another winner. Uh Hold on, Lucas's loser was, he says his driver, the head of his driver, came off on the first tee and he had to play the rest of the round without a driver. Oh. Bummer. Uh, go ahead. Me. Hey, Dan. Uh, I got to give uh, a winner to Dave Portnoy, uh, the owner the CEO of Barstool oh, Sports. I was headed there next. Oh, yeah. He, 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 they, the NFL did a uh, try to raise uh, money for COVID-19 charities. They offered off some different things, including one to – a chance to watch a football with Roger Goodell in his man cave basement that we all got to see during the draft. Portnoy made it his personal mission to win this thing, and he spent a quarter of a million dollars, which will go to charity. And now we get to see either the commissioner is going to have to endure a very painful Sunday with Dave Portnoy, or he's going to look like a schmuck by canceling on him, and that money won't go to charity. So Goodell's the loser in this. $250,400 was the winning bid. Dave Portnoy, uh, El Presidente at Barstool, um, he was the winning bidder. 
And I saw like the the immediate Twitter reactions last night were priceless. And somebody said Goodell is going to cancel this and he'll just pay the quarter million out of his own pocket. That is exactly what I expect to happen. Do you? Mm-hmm. Alternative take: I kind of expect Goodell to own it and try to win him over, and then they're going to come out of it like kind of friends, and everybody's going to be disappointed. Oh, I think there's a zero percent chance those two ever uh, watch an NFL yeah, game I, together. I don't see that happening. I, I Borky, I would tend to agree with you, although I did pull up the uh, the video last night where he's outside NFL he, uh, headquarters and Portnoy has a microphone in his hand and he's screaming, "You're a loser! You're a terrible person!" And then he starts calling him Hitler as he walks into the NFL headquarters. Well, he's also I don't know the if one you can who... repair. That re- relationship, and then they distributed what was it, thirty thousand uh, towels with the Goodell clown nose face on it. And when he was at the Patriots game, everybody was holding them up. Yeah, but you can't back out though. I mean, you cannot back out of that. You can't take that money and give it to charity. So if you back out, you have to give the money back. They're not doing that. That's two hundred fifty k. Why would Roger they're, Goodell? But they're going to find some loophole that Dave is banned from all NFL sanctioned events or something. Therefore, cannot win this. Or, or they just tell like even if they just tell him, you can come, but you're not allowed to record anything. That that might be enough to tell Dave it's not worth it. I don't know. Yeah, it's probably probably not fun for either of them. Yeah, I don't. Oh, know. they're not what letting it Roger get recorded. Goodell though, who's done some good things for his image, whether it's the M M&M and M jar or the you know whatever the various stages of Roger Goodell relaxing in his basement during the draft. Why why could he not come out and very publicly say there are roughly three billion people on the planet? There are 2,999,999,999 that I would have rather won this auction. But the fact is, Dave Portnoy won it. We were trying to raise money for charity. He's going to write a check for a quarter of a million dollars, and he has to make it out to the NFL so that we can then distribute the money. And I'll welcome it. Why, why, why couldn't he do that? I think he's going. See, I think he's going to. It, it's it's nothing but a win for him because if if they do put this on video, I I just I don't. Were they going to like you could watch Goodell and some random clown with two hundred fifty thousand dollars like no, watch a game? I don't think that was part of Portnoy, the deal. Portnoy right. said he was coming in with a GoPro. If even if video comes out in. If you're Goodell, you just sit back, and if he wants to rip on you, let him do it, and just laugh it off, and then it's, then it's not funny for him. And so then Portnoy looks dumb, so he can't do that anymore, so then they actually have to like have a conversation. Goodell could easily win this if he really wanted to by just not engaging with it. Just let the guy yell at you if he wants to, or say whatever he wants, and just brush it off, because who cares, and then you win. But wouldn't that make all the links they've gone to and the ridiculously petty links they've gone to in years past just completely pointless? Yeah, yeah maybe so. But I mean, they, the guy everybody got already out of thinks they're Kraft's already pointless. After party, and then he just went totally limp and like let security out, carry him out like a sack of potatoes after getting kicked out of the game, after getting kicked out of media days for, for the, like four <laughs> consecutive year. It just seems that the petty links that they've gone to to keep Barstool out. I don't understand why this would stop now. I mean, charity. Because he, I guess. I don't yeah, know. because two hundred and fifty thousand dollars to charity. That's why. 
Well, and again, Goodell really could kind of have some fun with it. You know, say what I said about, you know, literally any other person on the planet is who I would have preferred to have won this, but they've won it. And so, you know, I'm going to hold up my end of the bargain. Nothing changes. He's not allowed to buy tickets to uh, any NFL games, which maybe that's why he wanted to pay 250000 to watch it in my uh, basement, because it's not like he can go to a stadium, can't go to a Super Bowl. We'll get him thrown out, but he is welcome in my home. Needs to get a T-shirt, Goodell. Portnoy's face with the clown nose on it. And it says <laughs> tool underneath it or something. <laughs> I mean, perfect. how how cool would that be? That's the way I would go if, if if I were Goodell. Yes, I would. I would. I would return fire. But I just don't know that Goodell has it in him to do it. Or if he just wore his own clown nose shirt. I completely remove all of his take his ammo from him. Wear the clown nose shirt. Just own it. Maybe something to that. I'm not sure he's going that far, though. No, probably not. He he cares about decorum a little bit more than that. Although his man cave is embarrassing for a guy with his salary, so maybe he doesn't care about decorum that much. Uh, Chris and Pearl, C Spire text line, Greg Hardy, big winner. He's somewhat quietly becoming a star in UFC. He's got his troubles, but he is creating havoc in the heavyweight division. Uh, John in Starkville, my winners from a personal standpoint, twofold. My daughter for finishing her degree at Mississippi State. And I will have to brag that my wife and I got all three daughters through MSU. Now we expect to be taken care of when we get older. Good job. Seems like a reasonable expectation. Speaking of of fighting sports, is Mike Tyson really trying to come back? Have you all seen this? Come back from what? Come back to boxing at 53. That's a bad idea. He's been he's been putting out all these training videos lately. Bad idea. I mean, I agree Maybe with he's you. Broke. But... I mean, you know, I mean, I'm sure he can get somebody to promote it and somebody to write a great big pay per view check and a lot of people to watch and he can put 25 million in the bank and probably pay some bills. Yeah. It's 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 something. What's the guy's name I, I, from Tuscaloosa I was... that I can't think of? The boxer, Deontay Wilder. Would kill, yeah. would kill Tyson. Just destroy him. Just I think. would just smoke him. Yeah. I was uh, looking up to see how old Foreman was when he won the title, and I think he was like 40-something, and this is 10 more years, so I, I still know. Uh, here's another winner. Uh, Michael Jordan showing raw emotion at the end of both episodes of The Last Dance. Uh, Richard, I have a winner. This is from Spence in Brookhaven. Paramount Network yesterday, they aired a marathon of the first season of Yellowstone. My wife and I were both happy on Mother's Day. Uh, Ed in Brookhaven, loser. The music world lost little Richard. I would agree with you. So, thanks for uh, participating. Uh, David McComb also says, loser, the late Phil Hartman. He sent us a deadlifting video where his arms pop out of socket. Okay. Those are your winners and losers on this Monday. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm. We will take a quick timeout, and we'll look at what Major League Baseball is talking about doing when we come back. So Major League Baseball owners approved a proposal that Commissioner Rob Manfred plans to present to the players tomorrow 
on a return-to-play scenario. This scenario aims to have baseball back in home stadiums by early July. But the meeting between Major League Baseball and the MLB Players Association will set the stage for what both parties expect to be a contentious negotiation. Story from Jeff Passan at ESPN says that while MLB could benefit long term from being the first American team sport to return amid the coronavirus, sorry, the coronavirus pandemic, the logistics of starting the season remain convoluted and require player support. Money, shocking, is at the heart of the return. Owners who are fearful of deep financial losses with fan-free stadiums agreed in a conference call on Monday afternoon to to a plan that includes a 50-50 revenue split, uh, split with the players that has never been really looked at in the past. And the Players Association is expected to reject that particular part of the proposal. Now, I don't know why exactly, Maybe they're going to reject it because they're afraid that the 50-50 split will end up being less than the salaries that are due. And they've already agreed to the prorated contracts. Rippy, is that how you read that? I was kind of confused on that as well. I didn't quite understand that, but I guess possibly. The ability to strike a deal between these two organizations could very well mean the difference in having a baseball season and the season being canceled altogether. If the season is canceled altogether, do the players get anything? Uh, What's in the CBA? Because like in the NBA, for example, if the season gets canceled, they don't get paid. So it very well could be the same thing for Major League Baseball. Here's some of the big points in the proposal. An expanded playoff going from 10 to 14 teams in the playoffs. Playoff baseball is fun. I got no problem with that. I don't have a problem with it either. What is the purpose, though? Just because there, since there's fewer games, there's less opportunity to separate yourself, maybe? Yeah. I mean, you're talking about an 82-game season instead of 162. You know, 80 fewer games maybe gives you... A little more leeway with regard to injuries or whatever. So, 14 playoff teams instead of 10. An 82-game season. The use of home stadiums in areas that have local and state governmental approval. And we're talking about starting this up 4th of July weekend. California's probably off the table, right? Yeah, that's, that's California, New seems, York. Seems like the Dodgers, the Giants will all be, uh, I don't know what they'll be doing. They'll be playing a lot of road games, I guess. The Tigers might be a wild card team that doesn't get to play at home. Wild card, not like in playoff terms, like you don't think about Michigan, but with the way they're run, that might be possible. Couldn't the California teams play at their Arizona facilities? That would reduce travel that would, anyway. That would make sense, yeah. So you'd have what Dodgers, Giants, and Angels all in uh, in California. Padres, oh, excuse me, all in Arizona. 
Oh, Padres, I forgot about San Diego. That does require them to leave their family, though. I mean, how much of... Like, why would they do this? Is it simply because they don't think the players will agree to pick up and leave for the entire season and and be somewhere else? Why is it... Well, they've already said they wouldn't do that. Okay, so what do you do with California then? Because if you pick up and say, hey, go to your Arizona facility for the rest of the season, that's a bunch of teams, as you guys just listed, who have to do that, and that was a non-starter for the players. So how do you, what do you do? No, the, the, well, non-starter, the non-starter for the, for the players the... was being quarantined away from their families. I mean, in this scenario, I guess you'd pick up your family and take them with you to Arizona. I guess you could. I'm sorry, Rippy. Is that where you were headed with that also? Yeah, the same way with no end in sight, like the full season being played out there versus like I guess when things – like to me that this would be a temporary thing and eventually – I guess I guess you can't – nothing's conclusive, but I feel like the idea even if you did that would be to play them in their home ballparks eventually when that dies down. But again, California, you know, Seattle, Baltimore, all that, hard to tell. Did you say Baltimore also? Yeah, just like places that if it's bad and, you know, I, it, there seems to be like there's going to be more than a more than a handful, however you define it, to where it doesn't seem realistic that they can play in their home ballpark. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see how this is. Handled. Although I, I will say, was it Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, who a, a few weeks ago said that his aim was to have New York's baseball teams playing in their home stadiums by midsummer? Yeah, they started the or are about to start reopening. He had a briefing just like Tate Reeves does here uh, daily, and today he showed the graphic of their their curve, and, and they're on the other side of it for sure. And he said, "We're on the other side of this mountain, and now it's time to start talking about reopening." So, progress there, even. Yeah. So, reading more into this revenue thing, it seems like the revenue split, like giving up, or, like further reducing salaries, and then having like compensated through a revenue sharing program seems to be what Richard was talking about a second ago to where it's like they're they're still giving up it's just kind of disguised as hey let's do this instead hmm. uh spring training that would begin in early June they're saying three to six weeks of spring training training though likely um no games, no spring training games. It's just to go and get ready and do stuff with your team, and then we'll play ball. You basically already – I know it was a long time ago, but you basically already had a full spring, so wouldn't this more be about less about valuation and games and stuff and more about just getting these guys loose again and, like, back in shape? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Universal DH, designated hitter everywhere. Uh, geographical schedules in which teams play only in-division opponents and interleague opponents in similar areas. For example, the American League Central teams play only the AL Central and the National League Central teams. On the DH thing, because we've talked about this with other sports and, and college sports with transfer rules and stuff, um, now that they're going down this road, do they ever come back? Yeah, because you're not going to have a normal roster set up this way anyway. So I imagine this would be a one-off. What yeah. if people really, really like it? I mean, I guess it's possible, right? It, it, removing the designated hitter, or excuse me, removing the, the pitcher's hitting, 
is almost universal, isn't it? I don't. I haven't talked to a single person that's like, yeah, I love watching a pitcher hit zero uh, eighty two for a season. It's great. Give me more of that. I don't think it's a slam dunk. I think it makes it easier to adopt it full time. And if it is just absolutely beloved, then maybe that's something you can do down the line. Uh, I, but I don't think just because you put it in place this year in a in a strange season that automatically means it's on the board going forward. Um, thirty man rosters, so a bigger roster with a taxi squad that would have upward of fifty players available. Rippy, help me out on taxi squad. We're kind of in the same boat on this one. I'm not necessarily sure that's a familiar term. Like last year, they let, or two, I guess it was two years ago when you had double headers, they started letting you use a 26 man <laughs> to bring up. But like, I, I don't, like, Taxi Squad, I've only heard of that in fantasy, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. So, baseball reference says Taxi Squad is a group of substitute players who shuffle between the major league team and the AAA affiliate depending on short term needs. Uh, and uh, it's also referred to sometimes as the 26th man rule. But we're talking about 30-man rosters and then – and, and I'm sure that has Is to do with Is this not basically your 40-man, but just not having them – presumably since there's no plan for minor league baseball yet, like there's not – like they're not – it's not your traditional 40-man because there's no optioning back to Louisville or wherever. Like this just seems like, like a way to supplement your 40-man roster, does it not? That's the way I read it. it. Yeah, I think that's probably right. Basically, it just gives you a pool of players that you can draw from, that you can bring from what would be your AAA team up to the big leagues, back and forth. And my, my guess is, with it being designated taxi squad, that there's some... Maybe there's not a limit the way there normally is when guys are called up and down and it counting against service time and all that goes into that. Yeah, I, baseball's roster management's already too complicated and shockingly a global pandemic did not make it simpler. So baseball trying to move forward, but they got to get the money piece of it worked out. It's always about the money. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm. Be right back. So sticking with the baseball theme, but kind of coming at it from a different angle, and we all hope we get baseball back this year in some fashion at the professional level. But the draft, um, all indications the draft is going to happen. It is going to happen in June, so about a month from now. And then we're looking at a five-round draft. And anybody that is signed as an undrafted free agent will be capped at signing a $20,000 contract. And I know we talked some about this when this was just speculation a, a few weeks ago, but feels like we've gotten to the point where it looks like this is what is going to happen. So let's revisit what that means for Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Hey, Dad, do you expect any current Mississippi State players to be drafted in the top five rounds? I would expect uh, Jordan Westberg and Justin Foskey to be in that mix. And that's just current players. I would also expect one of their signees, Austin Hendricks, to be – I expect him to be a first-round pick, so – Okay. 
So, I mean, we're talking about 150 picks versus like 1,600 of them. Right. Or 1,200 or whatever the number is. Rippy, the two that are kind of in play for Ole Miss are Tyler Keenan and Anthony Servideo. One, both, neither in terms of the top five rounds? Uh, I would say at least one. I think Servideo for sure. And then I think Keenan, I think he gets drafted and has a decision to make, but I, I guess it wouldn't totally stun me. It's harder to figure out what he, like, what they, what he is viewed as largely as a professional prospect. So, I think possibly Keenan, but I think uh, Servideo, absolutely. In terms of kind of perspective of the whole $20,000 max on an undrafted free agent, sixth-round slot money last year was in the neighborhood of $275,000. Tenth-round money was in the neighborhood of $150,000. So you're talking about 300000 and up for the guys drafted in the top five rounds, which generally speaking is enough to get guys to go, unless they're coming from high school and they decide they want to go to college regardless of the money. If you're a college baseball player and you get taken in the first five rounds this year, overwhelmingly you're going to go play pro ball. And for guys that are don't and are thinking about it anyway, what does this look like next year? Because they're using this. They've already wanted to shorten this thing, and so now they have the perfect excuse. What does this look like next year? Do you really think it's 40 rounds? No. That's a good question. I don't think so either. I would lean no. It's just a guess. But they've already looking for excuses. They've already obviously been looking to cut minor league affiliates. Like, what does this look like next year and how much I mean obviously your chances next year are probably better and it's something more normal but I guess it's something to think about based on the report that came out a while ago what they're cutting was a 25 percent of the minor league system mostly short season single a and rookie ball um to accommodate the fewer teams how much of the draft would they have to cut to keep it normalized anyway because can you really do 40 rounds of drafting and have no 60, no, what is it, 40 slots. fewer teams to send them to. So how? what should the draft be just on that point? Because the minor league cut's happening. I mean, that's that's done. And we had somebody on the text line ask, no, it would, as of now, wouldn't affect either team here in the state. I mean, what, I mean you're talking about 40 teams? You're talking about 1,000 players? Yeah. I mean... Cutting 10 rounds off, at least? I could see the draft going to 15 or 20 rounds. I had 25 in my head. Maybe so. Yeah. I mean, why, why couldn't you cut it down to 10 or 15 rounds and then just say, everybody else undrafted free agents? Have at it. And put a cap on what you can pay undrafted free agents. In terms of permanent change, this whole thing seems like it's forced, presumably, more permanent change on baseball than any other sport. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, no, no question. Is it simply just because the length of the season and how much they play and how many players they have? 
If well, they do this 82 game thing with no hiccups, I think it's going to be awesome. Now, if you if guys really want to play like 100, 120 going forward, but I think I don't think there's any person out there that would disagree with it. 162 is kind of ridiculous. But does Baseball that actually ha- ever happen? I doubt it because you know, revenue and all of that type stuff. But like, if they do the 82 thing, I think people are going to like it a lot more because it's going to put a sense of urgency from day one. Baseball just got lucky, in, or I'm sorry, baseball is unlucky in that the timing of their season not being ready to start, but they're not like football. They had months to get ready. They needed to be ready now, and they, they're, they're, just, they're just sort of screwed in that. They, they, they just want to get a season going at, so, at any cost at this point. With Major League Baseball, people get geeked up for opening day. They pay attention for two weeks, and then they check out until the All-Star break. Yeah. That's just kind of how it works, unless you've got a specific team you're following. College Football Fix is next at Sports Talk Mississippi. After 5 o'clock with you, Monday afternoon, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. You can text the show, C Spire text line 601-879-4395. Experiencing fever, cough, sore throat, shortness of breath? C Spire and UMMC are partnering to offer free COVID-19 screening through the C Spire Health app. For all Mississippians experiencing symptoms, learn more at cspirehealth.com. We are glad to have you along as we start this new work week, and it's kind of, for more and more people, starting to feel like a uh, more normal work week. We're not all the way back. We're not even close to all the way back, but it's starting to feel a little more normal. Right now, it's time for the College Football Fix. Today for the College Football Fix, we will focus on the biggest doofus in all of sports. Yep. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Drive the F-150. It's what I drive. I could not recommend it anymore. Best-selling truck in America for 43 straight years. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Put yourself behind the wheel of a Ford F-150. I promise you will not regret it. Mark Emmert. Mm. Mm. You, you had a lot of options, but you picked a good one. Doofus? Yeah. So he did a... What? An online discussion? A podcast deal? On Friday, alongside the NCAA's chief medical person, correspondent, and he said some things that are just, well, first of all, what Mark Emmert thinks about college football matters not. That's the big- Unless we're talking about D2 and D3. Right. That's the biggest issue with this. I mean, it became a news cycle. We have a link here from CBS, but it was everywhere. ESPN's bottom line, head of NCAA says no football without open campuses, but they forgot the context of head of the NCAA has zero authority over the college football that we know and love. None. What he says, what he decides, 
affects it zero. So this is just another dude talking, but that's not what the headline said all weekend. It's just another dude talking other than the fact that he does have a relationship with university presidents and conference commissioners, and I'm sure that he's being included in some of those discussions, but here's what he said. College athletes are college students, and you can't have college sports if you don't have college campuses open and having students on them. You don't want to ever put student-athletes at greater risk than the rest of the student body. Don't disagree with that. He does go on to say that doesn't mean the school has to be up and running in the full normal model, but you've got to treat the health and well-being of the athletes at least as much as the regular students, so if a school doesn't reopen, then they're not going to be playing sports. It's really that simple. He also said school presidents and conference commissioners that he has talked to are in agreement with him on that matter. And the people at the uh, at CBS Sports say that would mean he hasn't spoken to Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby, who told Stadium earlier this week that going to class in an online sense is satisfactory. You would think he would have talked to the commissioner of one of the five power conferences, but, you know. Maybe you just left that part out. Well, maybe they didn't want to talk to him. <laughs> it's probably true. Um, That just underscores the point from last week, though. This is just another example of a leadership vacuum in college football. It, it doesn't exist, and so you get this guy who, yes, as you mentioned, FCS and Division Two and Division Three, and all those people work really hard, and they have some fans that care really mu- a lot, and that's great. But what we're talking about, he has no authority over college football. None. And he's not even talking to one of the biggest stakeholders in college football, apparently, because they don't agree with him. And he's got, so the head of the NCAA now has a message out there. And Greg Sankey has a message out there. And Larry Scott has changed his message, by the way. I don't know if you saw over the weekend. He said he's increasingly confident that they are going to play football this fall league-wide for whatever that's worth to you. So he, his messaging is when inconsistent. When I realized I was on an island of one and they were going to play without <laughs> us, it caused me to re-examine some of my previously strongly held beliefs. Changes things a little bit, doesn't it? But th- this is just another example on a list of many that there is a massive leadership vacuum in college football, and this underscores it completely. They need a leader. They need a Dana White or a Roger Goodell to say, direct everything to me, and I will give you the message. Here's the plan. Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do in case things can't go perfectly. Full stop. Any other questions, you ask me and nobody else. That's what the college football needs instead. Everybody's got an opinion. and I mean, newspapers are running stories about former athletic directors said this. Well, who cares? What, what, what say do they have? It's, it's a circus. Um, you mentioned Greg Sankey a second ago. There were some quotes that he had in a story that 24-7 Sports is doing that uh, – Hey, Dad's buddy Brandon Marcello uh, wrote. Um, I, I actually like the way he starts the story. He says, Greg Sankey is not a fan of hypothetical questions. If you've ever talked with 
Greg Sankey, you have heard him say, yeah, I, I don't really deal in hypotheticals. Uh, he doesn't have much of an option right now. And he tasked um, Mark Womack, who has been at the SEC since the late 70s, 1978, uh, with putting together all the different scenarios, uh, according to uh, this story. Uh, he instructed Mark Womack, you have to walk away from every preconceived notion in terms of putting it all together. Uh, Greg Sankey says you're going to hypothesize about everything and people are kind enough to send letters with ideas, but we've kind of focused on ourselves. He says there are nearly 20 scenarios that are in play. He says, I'll boil it down to our discussions. If you just ran the whole list, you're probably in the mid to late teens. So somewhere in the 15 to 18 range of different possible scenarios that at the conference level the SEC is looking at. Um, William King, who is Associate Commissioner over Legal Affairs and Compliance, had one-hour conversations with all 14 football coaches in the SEC, and he says there was a common thread in those conversations. That's what William King told Greg Sankey. He said from the very beginning all the way to the end, football coaches said, tell the commissioner that he needs to communicate, we're focused on playing football this fall. Our young people need to hear that. I think the public needs to hear that. Uh, Greg Sankey did say for us to have football season, our universities have to re-engage in a normal operating pattern. What is normal, however, is up for interpretation. Says, I think fundamentally our universities have to be back to operation. I assume we'll have more distance learning or web-based learning that was happening anyway. In fact, what's interesting now is probably 10 years ago as a conference, we opposed changes to NCAA rules to open up this distance learning activity. We were concerned about the academic rigor and you know what could happen with inappropriate assistance, and now we've adapted. So that's what he talked about primarily was having to adapt to whatever comes along. Say it again, though, for the people in the back, right? They're all focused on playing football this year. And if I'm a university president right now, I start putting the caveats in place, assuming this happens and assuming this happens. and assu Those things are going to happen. I don't think we, any of us know whether or not we're going to play football on Labor Day weekend. There's just no way to know. Nope. But we are going to have college football in 2020. It's going to happen. Are, are, are you all in agreement with that statement that it is going to happen? 100%. Yep. It can't not happen for a lot of people involved. I had a buddy text me today. He said... Scale of 0 to 10, confidence that we are playing football by October 10th and we will crown a national champion with some sort of a bowl season in place. I said 8? If I'm being really pessimistic, 7.5? But honestly, probably more like a 9.5. we got college football coming this year. It's going to look different. It's going to feel different. We don't know what that is yet, but we're going to have college football.
in Ohio over the weekend? Governor of the state of Ohio is Mike DeWine. I assume it's DeWine and not Divine. It's D-E-W-I-N-E. Um, he has been be one of the pup. I-, I guess it could. We'll just go with DeWine. He's been one of the public faces throughout the coronavirus pandemic. He is a Republican governor, and he is an Ohio State football fan. In a conversation with the Toledo Blade, Governor DeWine confirmed that he has renewed his season tickets for Ohio State football. Here's his quote. He says, well, look, first of all, it's much, much too early. The one thing we found about this virus is there's a lot we don't know about it. We're going to have respect for it. I would certainly think college football could figure out how to do a season. Can we go watch them? I think it's much too early to be making that decision. I don't think we know. Anyone who tells you they know is making it up. I'm not going to make it up. But in the event that Ohio State has fans, he's going. Sorry, go ahead, Rippy. Oh, he's talking to the about the virus like it's an FCS opponent. <laughs> it's kind of weird. He's got to see Justin Fields win the Heisman this year. I won't. I don't blame him. Also, on the college football front, the strangest recruiting story of twenty twenty. 2019 rolling into 2020 has apparently come to an end. Zachary Evans. You know that name, right? Zach Evans, running back out of Texas. A guy that Ole Miss had kind of been in the running for, along with LSU and Texas A&M and others. He said it to Fort Worth. He is going to join Gary Patterson and TCU. 24-7 Sports reported Evans signed a financial aid agreement with the Frogs on Sunday night, but he had to attend an online class on Monday before it became official. A five-star prospect out of the state of Texas, number one running back in the country, number one player at any position in the state of Texas, Number 16 overall recruit on the composite board. Highest rated football player ever signed by TCU. He was originally considered a heavy lean to Georgia. That got weird. Texas A&M was in the mix. LSU was in the mix. Ole Miss was in the mix. I don't remember hearing much about TCU during the recruiting process. But TCU is where he's going to land. Well, you know, when you you run out of options, you just sort of got to take what you got. First ever five-star recruit there, too, which is hard to believe. He's done such a good job there. I know it's not like college football's elite, but to not have one five-star in the state of Texas when you're winning games, I'm a little surprised by that. Well, I mean, most you got to remember most of his, you know, when, when did they true. join the Big yeah, Twelve? They switched over yeah. late. You know, that, I mean, sure. if we could go back and re-rank, I'm pretty sure we'd make Ladanian Tomlinson a five star. But you know, <laughs> he was all right. Um, not bad. 
you had an issue in which he was sent home from his high school state championship football game uh, because he did not comply with his coach's edict to give up his cell phone. Uh, suspended for a couple of games early in 2019 for a violation of team rules and told 247sports.com last summer that he doesn't watch NFL or college football. Interesting dude. Feels like he's being pulled in a lot of directions and it's kind of sad to see that play out. Happens far too much in recruiting. The, the one thing that is undebatable if he's got his head on his shoulders, he is wildly talented. Yeah. Really, really talented. A big deal for TCU if it works out. Well, a great opportunity for Zach Evans, Zachary Evans as well. That's a great school. That's 65K a year to go to school there. Hey, Dad, I'm sure that's what you're, you'll be sending both of your daughters. To TCU? Woo. Woo. At, at, at 65000 a year? <laughs> yeah, I, need, I need to go talk to the folks over in corner office real quick. we got to get some things arranged. Yeah. Um, yeah. Start making that Richard Cross money. Yeah, right. <laughs> Any, uh, anything else happening in terms of college football stories that you guys have seen? Well, Tennessee just keeps on keeping on, don't they? Ranked number two in the country in the recruiting rankings. I complained about this to Rippy this morning. Um, and people don't provide the necessary context when talking about Tennessee in their recruiting class, though. I understand you've got to write the story because they are getting a bunch of commits lately. They, I mean, they really are. Uh, like I said, Jeremy Pruitt, the most boring person on earth, must really just have great Zoom call backgrounds and that gets the kids to commit to Tennessee. But all that aside, number two class in the country, this is why they hired Jeremy Pruitt, because he's recruiting championship-level players. And look at the class in context. That's 21 commits, basically a full class. Clemson, one spot behind them, has 11 fewer commitments. 11 fewer commitments and more four-stars. Of the 21 players that Tennessee has committed, Eight of them are four stars, no fives, the rest threes. So once everybody else behind them who has 10, 11, 12, I think LSU has seven right now, for example. Texas has nine small classes because, uh, I don't know if you've noticed, there's a pandemic going on and it's May. Once everybody starts getting their players too, Tennessee's going to drop. They're going to free fall. That class, which is almost done, is not a bad one. I think Ole Miss and Mississippi State would have taken eight four-stars in their classes the last couple of years, I'm sure. But that's not a championship-level recruiting class. It's one that they've gotten every year for the last 10 years. Good. In the teens. But you're not winning a tie. Butch Jones recruited well. Absolutely. Lane Kiffin in his one year recruited well. Um, no, but I, the only question I was going to raise, th does this class as it's constructed right now not look a lot like Clemson classes looked five years ago? In, in what context? In, in the makeup. And Clemson was not pulling down, you know, five five stars and no, 11 no, four no. stars. And they had I mean, a very... So, so 11 commitments in the last two weeks 
your point about the 21 commitments is is absolutely a good one. In fairness, Ohio State has 17, so they've only got four more than Ohio State, but the point about Clemson and Southern Cal and others, by the way, Southern Cal has absolutely redoubled its efforts to, what, what, what's the phrase they're using, win back the West? Something along those lines in terms of recruiting. Borky, you said this class will free fall. I agree that it will fall, but I mean, is it going to fall outside the top ten? Yes. If it if it doesn't add more than eight four stars, yes, it will. The average star rating is like a three point three. That's not that's not top ten. They're going to have to get a couple of five stars in there at some point if they want to stay in the top ten. I agree with so, that. So currently, Tennessee has. Two five stars and seven four stars, according to the twenty four seven sports composite rankings. And they That's, picked up what a quarterback today? Is that right? Yesterday, well, maybe, but yeah, I mean, same difference over the weekend. Tennessee's uh, class last year was ranked tenth, and it had thirteen four stars, and didn't have a five star, but it had thirteen four stars. So they have to get you know four more. But they've got two five stars this time, right? Yes. Uh, no, I'm, I'm Ch- just Ch- using rivals for for my point, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Terrence Lewis, an outside linebacker out of Florida, is ranked as a five-star. And then Dylan okay, yeah, yeah. Brooks, a weak-side defensive end out of Roanoke, okay. Alabama. Yeah, if you're using the rivals thing, okay. Because if, th- if you look at it, they do have five-stars. So, yeah, no, no, I take it back then. They have a chance to stay in. They just have to, to maintain where they are. Average it's star like rating. There's no uniformity in college football oh. evaluation. <laughs> of course not. Uh, 3.38 for Tennessee behind them with better Clemson, North Carolina, Southern Cal, Florida, Notre Dame, LSU, Texas, Georgia. I mean, Oregon is in here. It's it'll fall. I just wish people would provide would add the context in there that they're only number two because it's May and they have more commits than everybody else. Context is not always high on the uh, list of things to talk about when you're talking about college football recruiting, (laughs) in fairness. But it's a good point. I I have heard some people that know Jeremy Pruitt, though, say that, you know, that all shucks, you know, not the smartest guy in the room persona, it is altogether different when he's dealing with recruits. Talk Mississippi with you. Glad to have you along on this Monday afternoon, rolling into the evening. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, and Brian Scott Rippey. Monday Night Football tonight, 2009. New England Patriots, Buffalo Bills, Tom Brady's return after missing the previous season with an ACL injury. And the Patriots are in awesome uniforms. Red jerseys, white helmets, with the um, Revolutionary War soldier on the side. Pat, Patriot Pete's Pat, on there? Patriot Pete? Pete? I was going to say Pat. Yeah. Have you looked Thank at the Patriot. box score yet? Either way. Uh, Don't do that, because I'm going to ask you a question. Who in 2009 to open the season was the Buffalo Bills starting quarterback? J.P. Lawson. Nope. Say, that's, who, that's who I was going to say. 
I had no idea until I opened up this box for I still don't really know who it is, in spite of seeing his name. Who is it? Give it to me. Trent Edwards. I played oh, yeah. a lot of tech. This says Stanford. Who am I thinking of? I'm thinking of Tim Rattay. I don't know why. Yes, Trent Edwards played at Stanford. I, yeah, I Trent that. Edwards from Los Gatos, California. I think that's Wait. the Cats. Uh, he threw for 6,000 yards in his career, 26 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. Starting quarterback that day. Tim Rattay was the quarterback at Alabama, or excuse me, at uh, Louisiana Tech when they beat Alabama, right? I believe that's correct, yes. And his head, well, I cannot think of his head coach. He he went on to be an offensive coordinator in the NFL for a while. Anyway. Guess who was born out of uh, said season? The coach was fired, and he benched Edwards in favor of one Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, nice. I don't know if you know it or not, but uh, Harvard-educated Ryan Fitzpatrick. Just in case you hadn't heard that. Also, he has a beard. Uh, So the games that are coming up over the next four weeks on Monday night. uh, So Patriots is the name you're looking for, by the way. No, it's not. Before him. the coach there? Gary Croughton? Gary Croton. That's it. Yeah. That guy has a long and diversified resume. He really does. I, uh, like, forever ago, so this would have been summer of 1998, um, I went to the Manning Passing Academy, and Gary Croton was one of the instructors there, and for, like, a chalk talk deal, one of the things that he did was they broke down, or he broke down what their game plan was, uh, that they used to beat Alabama. Having Tim Rattay throw the football was a big part of it. <laughs> uh, golly, that was a long time ago. Yeah, you're getting old. Jeez. It happens. Uh, so Patriots-Bills tonight, next Monday night. Chiefs-Denver Broncos from 2018. Steelers-Chargers 2015. And then Seahawks-49ers on, uh, 2019. So from uh, last year, you'll get the Seahawks 49 I guess that's the one from the end of the season. They played two great games last year, didn't they? Yeah. Um, anyway, so uh, on the Monday Night Football front, it now is official. ESPN has confirmed that uh, neither Joe Tessitore nor Booger McFarland will return to the Monday Night Football bro- uh, booth. ESPN continues to look to try and determine what it's going to be, but apparently it's going to be internal. Uh, Most are expecting Steve Levy to be the new play-by-play announcer on Monday Night Football. And there's been a lot of conversation about Dan Orlovsky, uh, possibly uh, Lewis Riddick uh, as well. I I don't know if it would be both of them, you know, one of them, some combination of the two. Yeah, does does want do they pull the booger mobile back out? Put one of them on it. <laughs> I don't really think so. What do you think about do you, Levy do you, in the booth? I think Lewis Riddick would be awesome. Do you think Orlovsky? Like, it feels like you need someone a little more soothing. Where Orlovsky seems to be more suited for those morning shows where he's like very loud and boisterous with opinions. Not saying he doesn't know football, but just like delivery. I think wise. he's. I think he's really, really good. 
and have talked to some people who've worked with him who think who, who the observation was man, it's it's not very often that I hear a color analyst on a game and it makes me go ooh that's good I haven't really thought about it that way before and he kind of brings a refreshing analysis to it um it's just not a I mean he has become a more common name because of his prominence on get up and and some of the other shows he's been doing college football as an analyst the last couple of years he's really good though uh who had borky did you ask me about steve levy yeah what do you think about him in the booth it's fine felt a little unpolished doing xfl games yeah he's steve done levy plenty of play by play though hasn't he yeah he he, he did a bunch like in the late 90s, he was doing a good bit of college football, and then he just kind of got out of it for a decade and a half and was, you know, like all sports center all the time. And then it's really on the last three or four years where he's kind of slid back into the booth as a play by play guy. Well, it's been teamed up with uh, Brian Greasy for the, uh, for the last handful of seasons. Hasn't he done Frozen 4, though, for a while? Does Levy do that? I thought so. Maybe not. I thought he was a, a hockey player. He does a lot I'm of Clay Matt he does hockey. Some of that. I can't Maybe think they of, could pull uh, Witten out of retirement. He would be good. <laughs> I can't think of Dan Orvlosky without thinking about him running out of the end zone and, and getting that safety all those years ago. It's the first <laughs> thing I think of when, when you say his name. Yeah, I just got a message from a friend that says Levy is super calling hockey. Hockey. He's like a TV prodigy. Like he, his job, his job offer list outside of like when he got out of college was insane. I listened to a podcast about it one time. For Steve Levy. Yeah. Did he go to Syracuse like everybody else? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen him flash his badge, but the he he turned down ESPN twice before he actually took a gig there. Which is pretty crazy because people don't really do that. Yeah. Steve Levy did not go to Syracuse. He went to the State University of New York at Oswego. SUNY! Okay. I don't know for 100% that it's going to be him. I mean, there's still just a little bit of chatter about the possibility of Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreet making the move. I've heard that Herb Street is not terribly interested in that. And I, wouldn't you wouldn't you think that that would make sense because he is I mean he is considered to be the voice of college football. You can like him or not like him, but in terms of you know I mean he's it. He is absolutely at the top of the food chain in terms of college football. And if he went to the NFL, wouldn't he just kind of be another analyst? Yes, he would. And and you're right. He, I don't know why ESPN would mess that up. I mean, I'm not a huge Herb Street fan, but he, 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 is, he and Fowler are college football. They were on game day, and now they, they do this. There's no need to change that, in my opinion. They, it won't I don't work. know why he would want to move. Yeah. 
I mean, if they made it worth his while financially. I mean, the NF, it's not necessarily to us, and, and I'm using us collectively, not necessarily the four of us, but the, uh, uh, the us that is kind of the southeastern part of the United States where college football is such a big deal. But to most of the rest of the United States, the NFL is a much, much bigger deal than college football. Yeah, I know that, but that's sort of the point is, you know, the NFL crowd will be like, who the heck is this guy? And the college fans will be like, why is he doing NFL? It, it, does, it seems like it, it doesn't appease anybody. Hmm. Anything's an upgrade from what they had? Well, I mean, kind of. The year before was... Well, even yeah. <laughs> things an upgrade from what they had Addition two by years ago. <laughs> Sounds like Tessator probably ends back up on college football. Which uh, in addition belongs. to his work with, um, in addition to his work with boxing and the Holy Moly show on ABC, that weird putt putt show with Steph Curry. Still going to keep doing that. And Booger's going to be a big studio guy. Uh, buddy of mine sent me a text that ESPN missed out by not going after Charles Davis. He he left Fox and signed with CBS this weekend. Charles Davis is really, really? good. Mm-hmm. Adam Amin also leaving ESPN to go to Fox. Saw that news over the weekend as well. So, Sports Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.